Praise the Lord. Yes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Church, what's his name? Come on. What's his name? Call his name Jesus. Yes. God, we love you. We appreciate you. I thank God that I am in the house of the Lord tonight. I wasn't here on Sunday night. I watched online. I was so jealous. Like, oh my goodness. This one week I missed church and God is moving. But he moves every, every Sunday. So God is good. God is good. Let's get into the word of God. I want to continue on a vein that I started, I believe, a few weeks ago on how to communicate the gospel. You guys know me already. I'm about evangelism. I'm about the church going out and winning souls. Everyone in this building has purpose and has destiny in the kingdom of God. The youth over here, God has chosen you and called you even now to communicate his good news to your classmates, to your community, even to your teachers. Everyone in this building has a responsibility, an obligation. God doesn't suggest that we win souls. It's a commandment in love. Because the same word that changed our lives is the same word that's going to change your neighbor's life, your loved one's life. There's no secret sauce to it. It's the gospel. The gospel works. Amen? Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, today I was, I was thinking today about this whole gospel thing, and I was meditating on the word, and I began to think about the correlation between Elijah, the prophet, and Elisha, and Jesus Christ, and his apostles. We see in the book of, I believe it's 2 Kings chapter 2, we see Elijah, the prophet of Israel, the prophet in that time, doing great works, and he had a mentee called Elisha. And we know the story. One of the highlights of that story is the mantle, the double portion, right? Elijah wanted the mantle of Elijah. And we focus a lot on the power and the double miracles that he did. And when we bring it down now to the New Testament with Christ, it's kind of the same thing. Elijah told, Elijah told Elisha, if you see me go up, then you will have the mantle, right? And we see Elijah taking up in a chariot into heaven, right, with God. And we see that the mantle came down and Elijah, Elisha picked it up. We see the same type of thing with Jesus, his apostles in the book of Acts. We see Jesus ascending into glory. And a few days later, the Holy Ghost coming down upon his followers. It's kind of the same thing. And we get excited about it because power and anointing was released. Amen. But I saw something a lot deeper today. It just, it just came to me. I'm like, man, this is beautiful, God. You see, the mantle, which represents responsibility. It represents um, the mentee taking on the responsibility and the goal and the dream of the mentor, right? That's taking the mantle. You're continuing on the mission. And, and, and it represents power. That's true. But also, I noticed something. 
that in that whole scheme of the mantle and power, there is something that's so important that we have to understand. And that it's the importance of knowledge and doctrine. Everybody say with me now. Knowledge and doctrine. When Elisha picked up the mantle and went to test it out to see if he was authorized, he hit the water, right? Nothing happened. Am I right? Nothing happened at all. But what did he say next? What he said next was so crucial to the release of power. He says, he said, where is the God of Elijah? When he said that and struck again, power and anointing was released. The power and the anointing was released when, Eli when Elisha demonstrated understanding of the God that he was serving. And that comes from knowledge and doctrine. Doctrine is very important. Doctrine is not something that's reserved for preachers or reserved for evangelists and pastors. But God wants all his believers to know him. He wants all his believers to understand doctrine. Everybody say doctrine. Very important. So for the past couple of years, we, we would say to you, and it's true, the most powerful thing that you have to win souls is your testimony. Is that true? Of course. You're telling someone what God has done for you. You're, you're, you're testifying about an event in your life, how you were low and the God that sits high came down to your level and brought you up. It's a testimony. But I want to show you something in Scripture. And our first Scripture is here right now. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. One second, get my water. We love this scripture. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. Look what it says here. It says, speaking of the people of God, it says, and they overcame him, the enemy, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Everybody say testimony. The blood and their testimony. They testify. What this means is that they testified about what the blood has done for them in their lives. Their testimony wasn't only about what God has done for them, but their testimony was filled with doctrine. They understood exactly what took place in the process of deliverance. They understood exactly who saved them, how they were saved, and what God has um, prescribed for them to obey to be saved. They had knowledge and understanding. They understood doctrine. So we see here now in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12 through 15. Because I notice that sometimes when we begin to speak on doctrine and begin to speak on Acts 2.38 and scriptures like that, that we know for years, we tend to clam up. We tend to get tired. We tend to become indifferent. Because we say, I heard this so many times. How many times am I going to hear the same thing over and over again? And when people say that, I ask this one question. Are you giving Bible studies then? 
And the normal answer, even to you here today, if I ask that question, you would say probably, no, I have not been doing it. And I would ask you, why not? And the answer to the people that say they're tired of hearing doctrine, Pastor, they will say this, because I do not know how to explain it. I don't know the scripture. I don't understand what to say. I don't know what to say. And that shows me that because you hear something, it doesn't mean it's rooted in your heart. It doesn't mean that we should stop reminding you, put it into your remembrance, the things that the Lord has spoken of. Because really we don't know. Because if we knew, we would be communicators of the gospel. Can I get an amen for that? It's okay. I'm going to keep on going. 2 Peter, because it's true. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12 through 15. Look what Peter said. Before this verse, he is encouraging the saints. And he's giving them doctrine. And he's encouraging them to make their calling and election sure. And he's saying certain things that they knew already because he mentioned it here. So verse 12 says this, Wherefore, I will not be negligent or careless to put you always in remembrance of these things. He says, though you know them and be established in the present truth. He said, I'm going to make sure that I'm not careless to remind you of these things, even though you know them. And even though you're sitting and standing in the truth. He says in verse 13, yea, I think, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle or this body to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Today I want to stir you up by putting you in remembrance what the Lord have spoken and what the apostles confirmed in the gospel. Can I get an amen for that? He says this, knowing that shortly I must put off this, my tabernacle, my body, even as our Lord Jesus Christ, thank you, sir, has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. Doctrine is important. Doctrine is important. Understanding the word of God is important. Why is it important, Brother Travis? I'm going to tell you why. Because God wants to use you. God wants to work through you. We are called co-laborers with Christ. God does not want you coming to church and feeding and feeding and hearing prophecy and hearing um, tongues interpretation and shouting and running and going home and telling no one about Jesus. Come on. When you're excited about something, it's a natural inclination to share. And we do it in the world. When we were in the world and we saw a good movie that was dirty and, and horrible and had no benefit to us, but we liked it because of our flesh. We would go around to family and friends and share. Go watch this movie. We would go to nightclubs in the dark. We can't see anybody sweating and intoxicated, wasting our lives away. But every week we'll go and invite friends and tell them about this club down the street, wasting our lives. Now we come to, to Christ. Now we come to God. And we are delivered. But we sit down and keep it to ourselves because of lack of knowledge. Not being able to communicate the gospel. This is a very important thing. God already spoke to us. He told us 
previously. He's with us. He said, I'm with you through the prophecies, through the preaching. He said, he said I'm never going to leave you. I'm doing a new thing. And we understand that the new thing is inside of us, but going forward, we cannot do what we always have done. It's time for us to be bold. It's time for us to apply ourselves to knowledge. Amen. It's time for us to stand and be who God has called us to be. When the Bible talks about being glorified in Romans 8, glorification is, is talking about God's opinion. It's doxa. That's the Greek word, doxa. It's God's opinion. You see, man's opinion, when, when man glorify man, it means nothing because it's full of lies and, and it's faulty. But when God speaks to you and tells you who you are and you're glorified because his opinion is being revealed in you, who God says you are, you begin to walk in, that's when you're walking with the Lord. That's when you're fulfilling the purpose of God. But we are co-laborers with Christ. When Moses went up to the mountain the first time to get the Ten Commandments, God did everything. God hewn out the rock. God rode on the rock with his finger and gave it to Moses. And Moses came down Mount Sinai, saw the, 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 the children of Israel acting a fool, worshiping an idol, and he broke it. And then God called them again to the mountain. But this time was different. We're co-laborers. This time he said, Moses, you hew out the rock and bring it to me. Let's work together now. And I will write on it. And the Bible says, go read it. The Bible says, this time when Moses came down off the mountain, that his face shone, shined with the glory of God. He had to cover his face because Moses now was a co-laborer with Christ. When we become co-laborers with God, that's when the glory, that's who, when we, who we really are, will break forth in the name of Jesus. Yes. Yes, thank you. Now you're, yes, amen. There's faith in this, in, in this house now. Praise God. God wants to use you. God wants to be in you and, and work through you, but we have to work with him. He told us, I won't leave you. But the question is, are you going to leave God? Are we going to allow fear, apathy, and, and all the doubt and all these things override the measure of faith that God has placed in our hearts. Are we going to shout about winning Palm Beach and just watch it waste away? Or are we going to shout about it and be about it and go out into our neighborhoods and win this city? You can. God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. We have it, but we have to be co-laborers from the young to the old. We have to be co-laborers. If you were baptized and saved two weeks ago or 30 years ago, God is calling you now. No longer are we going to testify without doctrine. But now we're going to say, Jesus is Lord, and, and tell them through our testimony what he has said. So we come here now, quick recap, and I, I, I'm, I already took, took up too, too, many time, too much time, so I'm almost done. <laughs> In Jesus' name. So Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3. 
This is Christ speaking. Or this is the writer of Hebrews speaking and giving us insight about what Christ has spoken. So it says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which, has, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. Here we're, we're focusing on salvation. We're focusing on deliverance. How many of you here need deliverance or know someone that need deliverance? Amen. We found out in Romans chapter 1 that the gospel has God's power that brings deliverance. It's not so much counseling or going on the phone and, and giving advice. I did that for years. I don't do it anymore. I get right to the point because I'm a doctor now. And I understand that sometimes we have to bypass all of the explanation. I already know the issue. Here's the answer. And I see God do more with the gospel than my advice and my counsel. Five hours on the phone talking about the same thing where I could just show them what the Lord has spoken and get them to Jesus. We can't do anything, but Christ can do all things. Praise the Lord. Praise God. So we see some keys here in Hebrews too. We see that we, that we have to find this salvation that we should not neglect because it's important. And we understand that this salvation and this new covenant, this new agreement that we're in now was first spoken by the Lord. He was the first one to preach it, the first one to teach it. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. He's our example. He is the preacher. He is the teacher. So he came first and taught it. Then it says it was confirmed by, unto us by them that heard. So we have to find where was it first spoken of. And last time we, we, we spoke, we understand that it was first spoken in the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are the recordings of Christ's teachings. There we find the constitution of the kingdom. There we find what Christ taught his apostles to teach in the Gospels. Amen? And I'm going to quickly summarize what we have learned from Christ's teaching. We see that the, the salvation message would begin at Jerusalem. That's Luke 24, 47. We understand that Peter has the keys. And, this, and these keys give access into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And these keys were the words that Peter would say. You see, our words are the keys that unlock the miracle. Paul said in the book of, I think, Romans or Corinthians, he says, we have the same spirit of faith. Talking about the prophets in the Old Testament. Therefore, we speak. When you have faith, when you believe God, when you have received the knowledge, because faith has everything to do with knowledge. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. We don't have faith in faith, but we have faith in Jesus and what he has taught and what he has said. That's why this religious world is in a mess because they're not, their faith is not based on what Jesus taught, their faith is based on man-made traditions. 
And that's why the apostolic church is here with the word of God, with the name of Jesus, with the blood to reach our world. God always has a remnant. And the remnant is always a few. He doesn't use the masses. He uses a few. The 70, the 12, the 3. Don't be intimidated by the few, by being the few. Embrace it. Yes, I'm different. I'm peculiar. But I'm chosen. And I'm a holy priesthood unto Jesus Christ. So I'm going to pray for you and not argue. <laughs> Amen. Knowledge gives us the power to, to really love, honestly, to really endure because we know we have the truth. We have the, we have the truth. I'm telling you we have the truth. So Peter has the keys. He tells us we must believe, Mark 16, 16, John 7, 38. We must repent, Luke 24, 47. We must be baptized. This is Christ's teachings, Mark 16, 16. Remission of sins will be in his name, Luke 24, 47. Believers should receive the Holy Ghost. That's John 7, 38. Believers will be baptized, Mark 16, 16. And believers receive the Holy Ghost. Are you a believer today? So now we see the confirmation. Not only have we seen the teaching of Christ, not the teaching of our pastor, if you're online watching your pastor, not what he says versus what God says. A man of God, a pastor, is going to preach and teach what Jesus said. So when you go, into, when you go to church on Sunday and Wednesday and you hear teaching, and you go back to the scriptures now to see what Jesus said, if it's different from what Jesus said, leave. You're in the wrong place. God will give you pastors after his own heart. We need a pastor. I'm not saying to stay home. I'm not saying to watch YouTube preaching all the time and to stay home. That's not of God. I'm saying that where you are is not where God wants you to be at this time going forward. So we go now to the book of Acts. We're not, gonna, we're not going to leave the four Gospels and then go into Revelation we're not going to leave the four Gospels and go into 1 Samuel. We're going to flow in the New Testament. We're going to flow with Jesus, right? So we go right to the next book, the book of Acts, is where we see the confirmation of what Jesus taught. So we go to Acts chapter 1, verse 3. I'm showing you guys how to teach a Bible study at the same time, okay? You flow through the Gospels, and then after the Gospels, you go right into Acts. You're just flowing a stream. Amen. So now we see here in Acts chapter 1 verse 3. It says, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, speaking of Jesus, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them, listen, for 40 days, and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ wanted to make sure that what the apostles preached and taught after his ascension would be correct. Not only did he train them for three and a half years, but after the crucifixion and the resurrection, he stayed a little bit. He had a conference, a, a, a minister's conference for 40 days, teaching them, speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He wanted to make sure that these guys knew 
what to do and what to say. So we go to Acts, Act now, Acts chapter 1, verse 9. And it says that when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received them out of their sight. So now for the first time, everything he lived and died for is ready to be put in action. So we go to Acts chapter, chapter 1. Now we go to verse 12. It says, Then returned they unto Jerusalem, and from the mount called Olive, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. Remember Luke 24, 47 told us that this gospel was going to be preached the first time in Jerusalem, beginning in Jerusalem. God is strategic. They had no clue how they were going to get there or what would cause them to be in that spot. But they knew he spoke it. And after certain events took place, they find themselves now in Jerusalem. This is very, very important because this is where we're going to hear the gospel. Jesus said it's going to begin to be preached here in Jerusalem. So we move on now. And we, we understand in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 11, the 120 are in the upper room and they receive the promise. They're baptized with the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says that all 120 received the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. Let's pause right there. Because as you're doing Bible study, this is a good place to show someone that everyone that receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost will speak in other tongues or new tongues or unknown tongues. Same thing. All right? God had every chance at this time to show us that not everyone who received the baptism of the Holy Ghost will not speak in tongues. There were 120 people there, including the mother of Jesus. And the Bible says they all spoke in tongues when they were baptized with the Holy Ghost. All of them. This is the first fruit of the church. This is the first fruit off the tree. How many types of fruit does a tree bear? One. An orange tree is going to bear an orange fruit. An orange. An apple tree, an apple. The church is going to birth believers. And believers are going to have the same experience because that is God's plan. It's not one speak in tongues and one only prophesies, you know, and then there's confusion. No, God says every believer will be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues in the name of Jesus. So we come now to Acts 2, again, going down some more scriptures to verse 12 and 13. And it says, and they were all amazed, speaking of the Jews who were there. They began to hear the apostles and the 120 speaking this new thing. This new thing was happening. And there was a lot of confusion on their part, on their end, the unbelievers' end, because they had no idea what the Lord had spoken. They had no revelation of what was going on. So they were confused. So it says here, that it says, and they were all amazed, that's one, and they were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. Have you noticed that when unbelievers hear you speaking in tongues, they have doubt? First they're amazed, and they say, what's going on? Then they have doubt in their mind, and then they begin to mock. This response is natural. We shouldn't get a get offended by it. We see in the word that, that the same thing happened to the apostles. They were speaking in tongues 
and the people around them mocked them, and they were in doubt. But that did not stop Peter from preaching. This is very important. Because they were mocking and unbelievers were present, that gave Peter the charge to begin to teach and to preach doctrine. So we see here, we have, we're in Jerusalem, and we have the right man. We have Peter, the man with the keys. And Peter stands up now amongst unbelievers. This is what you need to do around unbelievers. This is a principle, a key insight on what to do when you're at work or in a conversation with unbelievers. The Bible says in verse 14, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem. He says, be this known unto you and hearken unto my words. He began to speak about Christ. Testifying, telling the people, the unbelievers, the mockers about this great gospel, this great God who have saved us. And then we see the confirmation of what Christ has spoken in the gospels come forth out of his mouth. Acts 2.37 and moving on, it says, now when they heard this, when they heard the gospel, when they heard the doctrine, when they heard about Jesus and what he has taught them, it says now they, they were pricked in their heart. This is conviction. When people are mocking you in school, your classmates, when they're mocking you, do not get offended. Begin to tell a story. Be be, be, be loving, be patient, say, hey, listen, let me tell you a story. Tell them where you're coming from. And then in that story, talk about Christ and how at the last moment, how he came in and, and ordered your steps and how he brought you to a church service and you heard the word for the first time preached and you heard about baptism and repentance and being filled with the Holy Ghost and you wasn't fully, you know, aware of all these things, but you obeyed. And when you obeyed, how God came into your life and changed it all around. When you tell a story, people will calm down and listen to you. I've done it plenty of times. I have just explained the gospel through story. Not, not reading scriptures, just the story in the book of Acts and my experience in, in between that. And people have got convicted because... While before they were mocking, now they're saying there might be something to this. I think this person understands, is identifying with my pain. I didn't know that Jesse went through that. In their mind, they're saying this. I went through the same thing. So now they're listening to you with their hands folded. You're talking to them about the gospel and talking to them about your experience. But you have doctrine in it. And they're going to ask you, what should I do? Let me get your number. Let's, let's hang out. Whatever they may say. But their hearts will be changed and they'll be pricked. So up to this point, they're in the right place in Jerusalem. They have the right man, Peter. Unbelievers have been taken to the point where they now believe and are asking, what shall we do? That's the power of the gospel. For the first time since Jesus', Jesus ascension, salvation is about to be taught to a lost world. Here we can't skip. Now we have to go right into what? Peter said, when they were pricked in their heart. In Acts 2.38, of course, we know. It says, then Peter said unto them, repent 
and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He told Jews who understood the tabernacle, who understood about the temple and all the prophets and the kings. He said, listen, what you had up to this point was good. But now the Messiah has come. And I'm going to tell you what you need to do now. And he gave them the gospel. He gave them the way to respond to what God has done for them. And they came in. So again, Hebrews 2, 2, verse 3. It says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? I'm going to close with this. I have so much more, but you, we know it already. We know the scriptures. We understand that Jesus spoke to a religious man, Nicodemus, and he told him that you must be born again of the water and of the spirit to enter or to see the kingdom of God. I'm going to turn this off. I'm closing. We must be born again. So here's a tip for, 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 for us here. When we're preaching and teaching about the born-again experience, we have to look for these two elements, water and spirit. When we go through the book of Acts, we see the pattern, the example. We see it first with the Jews, with Peter, right, Acts 2. Then we go to Acts chapter 8, and we see it in Samaria. The Samaritans, this is so important, the Samaritans had a great church service. They worship God. The Bible says that they received the word of God. They received what God was saying. And many of them were even baptized in Jesus' name. But the Bible says that they did not receive the Holy Ghost yet. So they called for Peter and John. Why is that important? Because we must be born of the water and spirit. They're both important. And the conjunction it connects water and spirit. They're both needed to receive the born-again experience. Just like believing and baptism is important for being saved. We live in a religious world. I want you to see this going forward. When you see someone teaching false religion, especially on doctrines of like baptism and, and, and the blood and these things, you will notice something. They will never, never... They will never use scriptures on that subject. Like, for instance, baptism. They will go all over the place. They will go to Romans, Titus, Genesis. But they will never mention a scripture on the subject that's being questioned. That's how you know a false teacher. Because it is impossible for you to study a doctrine and hit it on the head. And leave there with something different than what it said. Impossible. So when you want to understand now about water and spirit, you're going to look for the water and the spirit in Scripture. We're not looking to commentary. We're not looking to, you know, anything else but what God has already given us in the Word of God. And we see it throughout the book of Acts. We see the water in the spirit. Cornelius, the, the, um, the eunuch, every believer was born again through water baptism in Jesus' name and being filled with the Holy Ghost. Can we all stand, please?
There was no way that I could come here and, and, and teach something different. This is what the Lord wants us to get back into. He wants us to know the scriptures. I'm not talking about understanding every sign and every, um, you know, mystery when it comes to the book of Revelation. I'm not talking about understanding prophecy and all these things so deep where you're a theologian. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about winning our community. I'm talking about bringing people from light, I mean from darkness into light. How many of you here want to be used of God? Can I see your hand? Guess what? It's in your hands. Brother James. Brother James is our Bible study organizer, teacher, and everything else you want to put on that, the Bible studies. He is a master in Jesus when it comes to Bible studies. If you want to learn how to give Bible studies, be in a Bible study, and all that stuff, all that good stuff, when it comes to Bible studies, talk to Brother James. There's no reason that anyone should not be giving Bible studies. You have no excuse now. <laughs> I'm saying this before the congregation and before God. Let God use you. The tools are here. We have the tools. The platform is here. All you need is here. The literature, the scriptures, the encouragement, everything you need to be effective, the Holy Spirit, everything, a good pastor, ministers, brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen, we need to fill this sanctuary for Jesus Success in the kingdom of God is quantifiable. It's not about numbers when we're comparing with other churches. No way. That's, that's, that's flesh. But it's about numbers when we're saying, God, we see what we've been doing in this city. And we're looking. And this church, let me tell you something. This church is a 3,000 membership church. 3,000 ministers, I'm, sorry, I'm trying to say, ready to, 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 to reach God. And guess what? That's not even enough people. We're in a county of what, two, two million people? About two million people. 3,000 is not even 10%. Right? So, I mean, listen, the time is now. COVID-19 has been a horrendous, thank you, brother, has been a horrendous pandemic. People have passed away. People have gotten sick. But at the same time, there's beauty in it. Because God is sovereign and he's in control. And more than ever, people are willing and ready to hear hope, to hear about love, to hear how their, their pain and their affliction could be healed. A lot of people's hearts are bruised, broken. But Jesus Christ was anointed to preach and to bind the brokenhearted. Praise God. And give us oil of joy and, and the garment of praise. And we are an extension of Jesus Christ. So we have the answer, but we must be co-laborers with Christ. I'm going to ask pastor to pray for us. Because we're going somewhere. Are you coming? Say yes if you're coming. Say yes. Are you coming? 
you online, are you coming with us? We're on a journey to bring souls in Jesus' name.